Okay, let's start the show. It's April 25th, 2013. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. I'm Will Smith. Norman Chan, how are you doing today? Doing right. Uh, we're recording very early this week. We are very early this week. We should disclaim that in case something interesting happens. Something in the next crazy five days. could happen. What in the would next two days? What's the craziest thing you can imagine that would happen between Tuesday and Thursday? Um, Apple this afternoon has its earnings report, and okay. this, something crazy could drop then. And in which case, um, tomorrow Apple might not exist. You really think that that's a possibility? Someone, someone might buy it out. They might announce an uh, incredible dividend or Exxon. Buy, they could buy it, all their stock back. I don't... Okay. They, they that is... That. They, I they don't could buy they a significant could do percent yeah. with their cash holding. There could be a takeover. There could be a hostile takeover. There could be some Mike Milliken-style stuff here coming in. Coming in. I don't have any idea what any of that stuff means. Um, any th- things can happen between now and Thursday. There's a lot of time between now and Thursday. So I mean, think about what happened last week between Tuesday and Thursday. I don't, what happened last week between Tuesday and Thursday? Crazy shit happened. Oh yeah, that was the whole Boston thing. That was all last week. Wow, that seems like a really long time ago. That happened now. in the span of six days from the from the bombing on Monday, which I realized after we finished the show last week, we didn't talk about it at all. We did not. Um, to the capture on Friday. Yeah. The 20, 20 hour, that last day was like an episode of 24, but real. Because it, the, the, it started at like uh, 6 o'clock our time. Mm-hmm. It could be a show called Six Days. It could be a show called Six Days. It's like Homeland. And on the seventh day, they rest. Well, I, I think they probably all did rest, except for the lawyers. Then the business started for real for them. And then FBI and, and all then that. And you have the spinoff. Anyway, um, yeah. The, the The Boston situation last week was, was unfortunate and you know, we're glad that it's at least it seems like. But I'm glad that people were on top of it. Allegedly, the people involved. Oh yes, have yes. been have been Be- identified. Very and careful. Captured. It's all alleged and suspects and and. Uh, Except for Reddit. Reddit's like it's this fucking guy right here, and then you know, boom, it turns well, out maybe not so much. Apologies. Apologies were made. Were made. Uh, uh, it also CISPA happened last week. We talked about CISPA some. Uh, it passed the House. Uh, it passed the Senate. Obama said, uh, did it pass the Senate? No. No, just the House. It has not passed the Senate yet. Um, Obama is threatening to veto uh, in its current form. So my hunch is that we'll see. I don't think that either side of the, of the Congress can bypass a veto right now. Who do you think so. did the best coverage of the events of last week? Uh, the local news stations. Uh, uh, five Channel 5 and 7 out of Boston by far. Were they one of them the NBC affiliate? Uh, it was CBS and ABC, I think. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. I just. I watched the ones that the Boston guys were tweeting. So when uh, Eric Pope and John Drake and the, and those guys were tweeting about the people doing the best coverage, I just clicked on. Did those you see streams. the the blog from that kid who? I'm not sure, maybe maybe not a, kid, not a kid, but the guy who was living, uh, who saw the entire shootout and posted the pictures from his phone. Yes. Um, the, like the video and of the gunshot just, reports and stuff like that? I think it was like that, just the, the other f- one? No, just from... So this, this guy lives in a three-story um, three house with housemates. 
and he heard gunshots happening, so he ran to his room on the third floor. That's the, why would you not run toward the gunshots? Well, of course you want to run away from the gunshots. Away. Yeah. But then he could not help himself and found a position where he could look out the window yeah. and start taking pictures with his iPhone. And he has many pictures, which he has annotated and yeah. put online, um, of the gunfight happening. So he's just holding like his camera up, tapping the button as fast as he can, you think? I don't know. I think if he's going to want to see what's going on, if he's going to be put, if he's going to put himself in a position where he wants to observe a firefight, yeah, he's going to want to see it with his own eyes. Um, but he had a, an interesting vantage point where basically the fight was happening right outside his window, uh, and you could he could see the two guys shooting at the cops, the two cars they were using, running back to the cars, grabbing supplies, mm-hmm. and then throwing their IED in the middle of the street and the huge smoke and then he actually saw them the the second suspect drive toward the cops and over the first one and over the first and, guy wow and um he said after it all ended and they were doing the, the evacuations and the house house search uh he and his housemates walked around and in his housemate's room a bullet went into his room through the chair like his computer chair. Computer chair, yeah. right at head level and into the wall behind him. Yeah. That is terrifying. Does your homeowner's insurance cover that, you think? Or is that something no, I don't, like... I don't think so. Where, where do you go... Is that a problem that you then have to fix yourself, I assume? Like, I got to think that the homeowner's insurance, State Farm is not going to be a good neighbor when you call them or like, hey, the feds and some terrorists, alleged terrorists, sorry, shot up my house. And I need a new well, like computer his car, chair and my For example, his car, the windows were shot out yeah. of his car, the back window. Um, I think that insurance is going gonna, is gonna to help you out. Well, ca- I think case. car insurance is different because you have like collision and stuff like that if you have collision insurance, right? I'm, I'm fairly sure that h- homeowner's insurance will, will help you. So if you're in that situation and you're on that street, what's the safest place in your house? Like you're not going to leave the house, obviously, because that could open up a whole other world of hurt. Yeah, you're not going to leave your house. I have a cast iron bathtub you in my make, house. You make a decision, a conscious decision, yeah. where, whether you want to observe well, or not observe. Right. So if you do not observe, you want to stay safe, because there's still the chance they might come into your house. Yeah. Because um, if they're right outside, they yeah, could break kick their window, a, locks down the don't door. matter, no, kicking no, a door in is not. easy. Um, or, we should, or we should actually try that. We should kicking, try kicking in a kicking door. Kicking down a door is not easy. I wonder if you and I could kick in a door. No, I, I, I think that... Neither of us could kick down a door. I think we should. I think, I think okay, it depends. This depends. Is, this seems like content. I think that if it's a door installed in the past five years, and no, what's saying no, no bolts, yeah. just just door. Yeah, just a and, knob. And let's say the knob is locked. Just yeah. the knob is locked. Neither of us could kick down, and, and say standard three hinges on the side. Yeah, wooden door, not like the. Like you're talking about like like an interior door into a bedroom in sure. your house. Something that has a lock on the knob, but there's no deadbolt, and it's just a wooden frame. I think I, think, I could kick that in. Okay, well, okay. Interior door, maybe, but you would your foot would be injured. Uh, oh, it would hurt, yeah. A lot. Front door, no way. I think if you have a steel frame front door that's installed properly, it would be really hard to kick in. I think you need a I battering think neither ram. of us could kick down with any I'm, amount of force a front door. If we can find a door that we can test this with, I'm prepared to do like a full if we flying to, side you know, kick. Detroit or Baltimore, I'm sure we could we find just buy a house. Yeah, we yeah. could buy a house and, and see, see uh, um, how long it would take to destroy a house. I, I am intrigued by this question. I'm pretty confident I could kick an interior door in, like a bedroom door. 
And probably I even like a back door. Would agree with you, but I think that the way in which you kick the door down or break the door down, mm-hmm. you would need to be thought out very carefully. I also think it's not going to be like in your head. You're thinking I'm going to kick a door in, and you're thinking you're going to look like Chuck Norris or or you know something kind of cool, and you're not going like to look cool. The at one all. the one foot kick, yeah, brace and and run toward and then kick. That is not the right way. I do not think that that, that would work. no no it is prob and and where you kick in the door because you want to kick. You want to hit right at the doorknob level. You want to put full force on the weakest part of the door. So no, the that's not the weakest the... part. The weakest, That's the strongest part. Well, it depends on the door. If it's a wooden door, no. If you kick the This is the most humane conversation we've ever had. The, the bottom, uh, top of the door, the torque from that door, the bottom part, will will put more force on the center where the, See, the hinge, you where think the, that the lock if is. the door is elastic enough to push out, it's just it depends on whether you're talking about a wooden door or a metal door. A metal door or, or won't many bend. Many people have fiberglass, right? And, and fiberglass you'll probably just go through, and not actual wooden doors because wooden doors are expensive, right? Or if you have like the, the wood panel doors that are basically you could veneer, go, you could go you're going to go straight through that. Yeah, we should we should absolutely we can build some fake doors. The problem it, is, it, can we build a wall to support it? Where can we do that? You would also need a wall. That, yeah, you need a pretty good size yes. wall. Um, going back, though, to what you would do if you did want, if you want to stay safe, yeah. Bathroom, bathtub, relatively safe. Like if you have a cast iron bathtub, super safe. Bullets may ricochet into that, but they're not going to penetrate. Also, probably. bathtubs are many layers. You know, there are potentially closets and bedrooms yeah. between the outside. Well, uh, so Gene and I talked about this because it was a matter of it was a conversation topic you also in the house. Live in the because we live in the burbs. In the burbs, yep. Um, and the thing we came up with is that like the refrigerator is the densest thing in the house, aside from the like the cast iron bathtub is is obviously spot number one because um, then you can also lock that door and push something in front of it, whatever. But if if you don't have the cast iron bathtub, if you have a fiberglass bathtub or even a tile bathtub. Then you then you get put the refrigerator between yourself and the and where the bullets are coming from. No one's going to move a refrigerator. If I don't, you don't. I'm not expect. saying you move the refrigerator. I'm saying you stand on the opposite side of the refrigerator from the thing. It's like Indiana Jones. You want to put the refrigerator between you and the right and because the it's bullets. multiple layers of metal and plastic and glass and metal and all the food in there is all stuff that will absorb kinetic energy. At some point, though, if you hear that. Glass is breaking, and people are potentially making their way. One or two people are making their way inside your house. Oh yeah, the confrontation is inevitable, and you have to make a decision whether to be proactive yeah. or reactive. Yeah, uh, or you just about climb that out engagement. the window and run away. So that's that's proactive about running away. Yeah, if you're on the second floor, that's not going to happen. Eh, I'd take a jump out of a second floor window, dangle down a little bit. If I you, think if, you I think second- if it's if it's one or two people. Being proactive in an engagement may may suit your maybe more to your advantage. Yeah, but you're insane if you go after people that are uh, theoretically wired to explode. Well, you don't know that. Well, but I think by the time this was happening on Friday night, pretty much everybody in the Waterton area was aware that they were potentially wired to explode. Otherwise, the cops would have just walked okay, up and granted, shot them. Okay, granted, given the expectation and the, uh, the p- likelihood that. There are explosions involved. Then yes, you want to be as far away from explosives yeah. as possible. If it's just a dude with the a handgun, I guess they had M4s and a BB gun or a knife. You could. Uh, I, there's a good chance you'd defend yourself. I always do. do, the, do you the have the right do you have, thing to do is do you have to always run away. Do you have defensive uh, 
tools. We have like a baseball bat. Baseball bats are the way to I go. I mean, it's just for playing yeah. baseball, though. It's not a, for a beating baseball people upside bat the head. Is the way to go. Um, yeah, baseball bat. Golf clubs mm-hmm. are good too. Mm-hmm. Get a good swing with a golf club. No, I bet. Uh, uh, yeah, kitchen yeah. knives. Baseball bat's nice and hefty, and baseball you can you can push. You can do both the swing yeah. and you can jab. So, is, are we going to go back and like? The, here's the thing: is in a small cramped house, like in the hallway, a baseball bat is essentially useless, though, because you no, can't no, get you, a good swing you, on. You it. don't. You don't. No, never engage in the hallway. Well, no. Sometimes you don't have a choice, Norm. That you wait for mm-hmm. at the edge of the door, and wait for one person to come in. Then you strike at the wrist. You strike at the arm. So, so remember when we got that question before about the baseball bat versus the knife? It turns out that was a giant bomb question that somebody right. repurposed and sent to us. Would you rather defend yourself with the baseball? Yeah. Would you if if bat or if knife? you're if you're fighting some person and you get one thing and they get the other, which would you rather have? And the right answer there is clearly baseball bat, because they have one chance to throw the knife for range. Yeah, or or you they have to hope that they can take the first hit with the baseball bat or dodge, which is unlikely. Um, yeah, d- enough to get, in, get a stabbing yeah, blow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, knife is the loser. Base, there. You reach, reach as in boxing. Yeah. Reach is always very one of the most important things. So we've taken what started out as a really serious conversation and made it super silly. Well, I apologize. Crazy last week uh, in advance, but yeah, I'm glad that the, the you know the loss of life was. A minimal, I guess, at this More point. More people died in the fertilizer explosion in Texas. Well, it's not even that. It's just that it could have been a lot worse. And, it was scary times. And, yeah, it's bad all around. And so, I'm very glad our friends in Boston are Glad is that everyone in Boston is safe, except for the people that are not. Um, so there's not a whole lot of tech news this week. We, we've talked about this. Uh, let's run down the list real fast. Um <laughs> Norm, Norm put the first thing on the list as the last week. Last week was crazy. Last week was crazy. Established. Um, uh, SpaceX had a successful flight. Well, there's two two space flights. The Antares rocket finally launched successfully this week. That is not SpaceX. That is not SpaceX. That's a different. That's the second company that's part of the sim- the same private space flight initiative, Orbital Space Corporation. Um, and that's another ISS resupply slash potential passenger yes. uh, passenger rocket, right? Um, more ISS resupply for, for at least for the for yeah. the foreseeable and this future. Is the f- I think this is uh, after this test they're going to do one more test to the ISS and then that's it contract billions of dollars in contracts so they, they don't have plans beyond the second I'm sure test they, do, yeah, okay. yeah, they do they do um, like, I think uh, Antares is this rocket and then Cygnus is their delivery module okay so so that's the the equivalent of their Dragon X capsule. Yes. yes. Um, so yeah, the the SpaceX's grasshopper. This is, I think, the more interesting. I mean, not to diminish the achievement. No, no. The company is spending their own money to develop rockets that can send cargo to International Space Station yeah. 400 kilometers up. That's amazing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Um, SpaceX uh, did a grasshopper test. A grasshopper is their vertical takeoff and landing rocket, basically. So it's um, the closest. PTVL, yep. The 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 closest equivalent is the LEM, if you think about it. The the old Apollo LEM that was used to land on the moon and then take off again. Um, th- this takes off from a vertical position, flies up to in this case three hundred and twenty feet, I think. Three hundred twenty meters, eight hundred twenty feet. Two fifty um, meters, eight fifty feet. The two two fifty meters was the first one. Oh, no, no, this, this was 250 meters The as well. thing I read said 320 meters. That's a lot of meters. It is a lot of meters. 
times three. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Okay. So I'm just t- repeating taking off. Yeah, taking off. It's, it's haul rocket. It's a, well, I think the tall, it's tall because of the amount of fuel involved. Right. Probably. I mean, but this is not a, a. I mean, you don't think it's not like the lamb. It's, it's not, not like, like a stump. A, yeah, exactly. Bigger not gravity. Like, it's not so a pod. more fuel required. It's a. It looks like a rocket. Yeah. So this takes off, uh, flies up, hovers for a period of time in a, in in a kind of unnerving way. If you want the videos on the site, it's, it's like it's, balancing a pencil on your fingertip. Kind of, except for with fire instead of your fingertip. That's right. Um, and then uh, comes back down in a controlled way and lands on four feet again. Lands on exactly the where same it spot took it took off. off. Yeah, it, it looks like magic. It looks like a, a trick. Um, the other neat part about this is that the way SpaceX captured the footage for it is they used a qua- not a quadcopter, an octocopter, six six helicopter fins in a you know in a quadcopter type. It's like a quadcopter with six instead of four fans. Um, really neat. Uh, everybody should watch the video. That's that's all there is. Uh, really the big it. deal with uh, Grasshopper is that uh, right now the uh, the Falcon rockets, which is what carries the Dragon capsule up, yes. they do not land by themselves. They splash down. They right? splash down and they are recovered. Um, and uh, NASA, I think, has spent about three hundred ninety million dollars developing uh, Falcon and Dragon with SpaceX. But every time, so SpaceX has launched, I think, so far one. Um, a test run and a reel, so two. Two that went to ISS, but one was capsules a, yeah. to the ISS. But each of those Dragon capsules is a new Dragon capsule. Uh, NASA is very risk averse and will not allow SpaceX to reuse their Dragon capsules or Falcon rockets for each mission. But what that also means is that SpaceX is stockpiling many Dragon capsules, which they think, which Elon Musk has said, has it's. There's no they, reason they aren't reusable. They are perfectly reusable from all their stress testing, all their all all the uh, all the set, sensors data says that these these are perfectly viable. Uh, the, the modules, at least, uh, they can they have those those used stockpiles that they can reuse in the future. So when those dragon capsules come down, are the the cargo ones that they're using right now? Are they bringing them in in a way that that mimics G forces that humans can survive? Like, are they using those return missions as tests to see? I don't know. For, for I don't know about stuff? that. Um, that sounds like a smart thing to do. They're they're carrying cargo back. Yeah, uh, but I don't know if they're using that also as as a test to. Uh, in the, yeah, you're right. Uh, the plan is to use dragon capsules to carry human beings instead of or in in addition to Soyuz, which is what's the way we're getting, the, which is how we're getting people to and from the station now. Um, an interesting other note about that Antares uh, capsule is that the PhoneSat guys, the guys who make micro satellites out of Android using Android hardware, uh, had I think two or three satellites on. So the, the Antares. Antares rocket deployed things, yes. uh, objects into orbit. Yes. So in addition to it being a test of sending a, um, if a you're going to test it, you might as well you might as well deploy some some cargo to low Earth orbit. Um. Uh, good news, everyone, and by good news I mean really bad news. Futurama's been canceled again. It's now been canceled more than anything that hasn't appeared on the CW. I, I maybe watched four episodes in the when it was on the Comedy Central, and then stopped watching it. The new ones, I, it's one of those things that's on TiVo, and I, if I see new episodes that I haven't seen yet pop up, then I watch them pretty much every time. But uh, yeah, some some are better, some are more good. Some I, are better than others. It's one of those. Futurama is one of those shows that I think could have really benefited from like an HBO type schedule, where instead of doing twenty six episodes a year, they did thirteen, so that then instead of having 
half that are pretty good and a quarter that are awesome and a quarter that are merely okay. Well, they do two halves of 13. They do two halves of 13, but I think, you know, it's it's still a 26-episode run for the year. Um, so we have the original three years, and then we have the, the four movies that were chopped into three episodes each. Which was weird. Those were bad. Those were, uh, those no, were, I there's think, one that was good. The, one that was the Beast good. with a Billion Backs? I don't even know. The one with the fry, the, the alternate fry. Oh, I don't remember. He, he was old again. It might have been the last one. Oh. Anyway, um, I thought that the, the, the second, the, I guess that makes it the sixth season and the seventh season. I thought they were pretty good. I, enjoy, I enjoyed what I've watched. Uh, the, the finale is Fry and Leela's Wedding. That's what uh, Variety reported. Uh, Netflix has more subscribers than HBO. Netflix took a huge stock shop yesterday uh, with their first quarter earnings. They said at the end of 2012, um, I believe it was around either 20 or 27 million subscribers, uh, but just like 2 million shy of HBO. And uh, after their earnings report yesterday, mm-hmm. they now have more than that number. Super CEO um, Reed Hastings reported. Super CEO Reed Hastings posted on Facebook. Um, but uh, the more interesting thing is uh, the original programming. So they launched their new uh, third original program. Their third. So it's House of Cards. House of Cards. There was the uh, the comedy thing that I don't. I never watched. I never watched it. And then they have this new one, Hemlock Grove, which is the Eli Roth produced horror series, uh, which has been getting terrible reviews. But but it's horror. But more people have watched it than, than House watched House of Cards at this point in its life. Huh. A few days. So. Its its strategy is working, um, but so, the bigger indicator of their strategy working is that uh, they said Reed Hastings said that of the people who signed up for Netflix for a trial account in the first quarter, which yeah. are millions mm-hmm. or hundreds, of, I'm sorry, hundreds of thousands, it must be uh, as a trial account, mm-hmm. can't, can't be millions. Um, only eight thousand of those people signed up, watched House of Cards, and then stopped paying. Hmm. Well, I mean, at some point, the inertia of canceling a seven ninety nine a month subscription is well, that, that's what they're banking is on. harder than that's that's the whole premise yeah. of the original programming. They're going to get hundreds of thousands of people to pay, you know, eight yeah. bucks, try it, or try it for a month, and then they continue to pay eight bucks. Think about that. If that's if it's a hundred thousand new subscribers every quarter for every new show they have, times potentially eighty dollars a year in fees. After the free month, yeah, that is that pays for those shows, just and, and just on new subs, just on new subs. Yeah, um, I started watching House of Cards. It's 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 worth watching. It, it is. You should watch watching. House of Cards. I, I have watched House of Cards. No, I know. I'm just saying. I'm saying to the people at home. I know you've watched House of Cards. It's pretty well established. Um, did you watch any of Amazon's original? Pro- they they rolled out a bunch of original programming last week they, too. All their pilots were online. Yeah, so they. Uh, so is this like a watch the pilot and then kind of like you guys decide whether or not it gets made as a series or is it? I don't know if those pilots, they've already made a choice or which ones picked up. It just seems like they produce the pilots. They paid for them. Might as well. Yeah. Put them out there. Put them out there and see if people like them and comment on them. Uh, but the one they already have committed to series is Zombieland, which yeah, that, I think we talked about last week. We talked week, about it last week. And it was terrible. It looked terrible. Did you watch the pilot? No. Yeah, even I, that trailer looked terrible. I couldn't. I didn't take the time. Uh, the other thing, with if Netflix, you guys watch Zombieland, let us know how it was. We'd be interested to hear. Um, other thing with Netflix is that they also announced that they're doing family accounts now. Uh, profiles are still coming. Well, so they did family accounts for a while with the disc-based subs, because yes. for a while you could split up like a three-disc sub between two discs to one person and one disc to another person, 
which was great because that meant I had a queue and Gina had a queue and everybody was happy. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the I think College Humor was one of those, one of those comedy sites did a funny video about, you know, Netflix subscriptions and HBO subscriptions. Everyone shares their password. You know, people, there's yeah. basically like one HBO Go account going around <laughs> between 30 people and everyone's using that and watching Game of Thrones at different times. And it's similar with Netflix, and they're okay with that. Uh, families share Netflix accounts, but right now you're limited to two streams at once. Um, they, see, that used to be the number of discs you had in the plan, and they've changed that, I think. And now the last year there's a new plan. And you pay three bucks more, so instead, or four bucks more, instead of paying eight bucks, you pay 12 bucks, and you get four streams at once. So I got to think that they're going to do more stuff like that to kind of um, increase the profit per user. Oh yeah, because right like, now your eight bucks covers five people potentially. Yeah. I mean, five people, two at a time watching. Yeah, uh, but one household, and they can make more money from that. I'd be like another thing I'd be happy to pay for is the ability to cash stuff on an app. Like if I wanted, to, if I'm getting ready to get on an airplane and want to grab, say, two episodes of House of Cards to watch on the airplane, then then there's no way for me to do that right now, and that's I'd happily pay an upsell charge for that. And I think that would be based on episodes or time allotted. Yeah. So like you know, two thirty-minute episodes or. I, I mean, if it's ninety-nine movie. cents per or something like that, I'd even be okay with that. Whatever. I mean, figure out a way yeah. to make it happen. Yeah. Um, Galaxy S four is shipping today. Do you mean today, today, or today when the podcast airs? Today, 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 23rd, Tuesday, Tuesday. Originally, it was going to be the thirtieth, um, but AT and T sent out notice, so people should be getting their Galaxy S fours. Maybe by the time you're listening to this. Ooh. Um, we don't have a Galaxy S4. We do not have one coming. We probably should get one when I think about it. I would rather have that money spent on an HTC One than a Galaxy S4. You think the One is the phone to beat this generation? I think the One, based on what I've read and based on my assessment of the features, the One is the more interesting phone. I, I like the design on the One much better than of the Galaxy S4, for, what, for whatever it's worth. If you have a Gal- if you went and bought a Galaxy S4, let us know what you think about it. Um, uh, one year free crash plan black up for I don't know what this is. So uh, a lot of people don't back up their data. You should back up your data. You should back up your data. But as Leo Laporte likes to say, uh, what you think is a backup is probably not a backup. Backup does not mean putting your data in uh, a a separate drive or even on a server. Uh, backup denotes redundancy. So it needs to be exist in multiple places for it to be truly backed up. So in order to do a real backup, you need to swap out the drives occasionally, have some that are off-site and have some that are on-site or upload it to the internet Because or if you just move your data to a, a separate hard drive or burn it, some people still burn them on DVDs. That's or, crazy. Or you know, put it on a, a, a terabyte drive or something or external hard drive, and that's where your photos live. That's not backing up. That's just moving your photos off your main computer and then putting it on. Well, if you can have them on the main computer and on the external, well, drive, that, that counts as a backup. That, that count, having it in multiple places is yeah. what denotes a backup. Yeah. Uh, and then there are a lot of services that I haven't used, but people have spoken well of um, that let you backup online. Subscription services. For so example, Carbonite, I think, is the most well known one. Okay. And Lifehacker uh, really likes CrashPlan. That's their, their, um, their service of choice. And uh, these are services that just run a small um, service or background or app in the background. And when the files change, you can schedule you know, a backup time, and they'll just upload that data. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
based on folders or whatever. You, you can say, I only want this stuff in this folder, in this folder, in this folder, or this type of file or whatever. And you pay based on how much data you want to store. So if, I think for a crash plan, it's like two bucks a month for, I want to say, 10 or 15 gigs of data. And then if you pay four bucks, you get unlimited data. Okay. Um, but that's, that's so 48 bucks a year, basically. For yeah. And then you get access to those files on mobile apps and all. It's like, it's like so Dropbox. Then how do you restore that stuff if, you're, if your machine... Like, so this isn't going to give you a full computer restore. Like no. when my MacBook died no. and I had to restore from the time machine backup. This is file This access. is different than that. This is just the important stuff. Yeah. Okay. Cause, cause mainly because you're limited. Unless you're on a Google Fiber or another Fiber provider, mm-hmm. your upstream is going to be such that you don't want to back up your entire computer to the internet. And these services make increasingly more sense when yeah. you have something like Fiber and really fast... Uh, upload, yeah, uh, upstream, um, like like the the offsite backup is the number one like is the use case. People always say, "Well, I don't know what I would do with 750 megabits of upstream." Backing up your entire PC to the to the internet, where storage is incredibly cheap, is like the number one use case for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and then uh, so CrashPlan, uh, the competitor to Carbonite, actually has an offer going on this week where if you sign up, you can get a full year of backup for free, say fifty bucks. Um, it's worth trying. Okay. Uh, but if you're going to commit to it, then you know know that after a year you have to start paying, or else you don't get access to that data anymore. Um, that's a good deal for. I mean, that's a good deal for everyone involved because it lets you know that that you have it if you want it, and then mm-hmm. and for them, that gets you invested in their service, mm-hmm. and um, you like, know, they lose fifty bucks. Well, and the thing is, once you've uploaded your once you've uploaded two hundred gigs of data to their service, you, it's going to be worth it for you to pay fifty bucks a year to to keep that keep that alive. I, I just don't know if these services have deals with ISPs so that they don't count toward your band, bandwidth cap. Uh, no, I bet it, they don't. It, well, so, I bet they do, I mean. So I had interesting conversations with people at Comcast, like off-the-record conversations about, or, or sorry, on background conversations uh, about how Comcast is enforcing bandwidth cap. Because I went, remember last year yep. when we were talking about it, and I had gone over. over a bunch when we were uploading video from our houses. They track, they know where the video, or they have some idea of yes. where the data is going. And so they do, they do ch- value that differently. Right. So if I had done, a, if I had done 250 gigs of BitTorrent versus 250 gigs of uploading to YouTube, they're going to look at that and say, okay, this is legitimate use. It's hard for us to complain about it. And it seems like, like I never got nasty grammed despite the fact that we were going over every month for four months straight. Um, ne- they never slowed down and none of that. So I think as long as you're doing legitimate stuff, like uploading to your online backup provider, or they're probably not going to hassle you. As, yeah, as long as they think that. They're doing legitimate things, it'll be fine. Um, I, I I feel like that's a violation of the spirit of network neutrality stuff. But uh, you know, I don't do illegal stuff with my internet at home, so I don't really care that much. What's also interesting is that yeah, you can pay four bucks a month and get these type of backup services, and but there are also tons of different backups, or just cloud storage services that you can get relatively free account, uh, free storage on. Mm-hmm. Like Dropbox, I think you can get up to 10, 10 gigs now. Uh, I have nineteen gigs for free right now. Yeah, you, get, you, you, you can get a lot and all referrals stuff, yeah. and all sorts of things and Box.net and stuff. And it's ten bucks a month for a hundred gigs on Dropbox, which is kind of expensive compared to it say is, Carbonite, right? But it's a different type of service. Yes, uh, a lot of people start hoarding just different uh, just cloud storage, and it's it's not a bad idea. It seems like the kind of thing that could make you a little crazy, though. If you're not well, careful. you have to be the right type of person. You have to man- be able to manage it. But you know, some people can use SkyDrive for certain things, Google Drive for certain things, Dropbox and Box.net for d- different things, and you just have a lot of icons on your system tray. Um, so, so, and then there's the other the other thing that I know some people do 
is use tools that just basically hook directly into Amazon S3. So instead of instead of using, you know, I don't know that Carbonite or CrashPlan are actually just front ends on S3, but Dropbox is. Yeah. So Dropbox is a front end for S3, or at least it was at the beginning. It may not be anymore. Um, you can actually just download a tool that lets you run a run an S3, run a program on your machine that will just back up your stuff directly to S3. It cuts out the middleman. It's probably depending. I think S3 charges based on the amount of data you transfer, not based on storage, or um, like it's it's literally based on bandwidth through the router rather than space on the on the drive, which is harder to understand. But that means that it's free as long as you're uploading, or very, very inexpensive as long as you're uploading a little bit of stuff, and you only basically pay when you need to pull off of the backup um, or when you do the initial first backup. So, yeah, there's a lot of different options. We should, we should, we should dig into some of that stuff and see what, um, see what works, what, see, what, see what we like best, because I haven't spent any... I, I do hard drive backups and then just bring... I have a drive that stays in my drawer at the office, and it gets cycled out once a month, basically. Um, Those we drives t- die. Well, no, I know. I mean, I just replaced a two two terabyte drive, which was eighty dollars, so it's not that big a deal. But you you should assume that the lifespan of a hard drive is two and a half, three years yeah. at the outside. Well, think about it that way. If you buy if you're buying a two terabyte hard drive, that's two years of backup theoretically. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. Um, Shapeways took thirty million dollars from from uh, Andreessen Horowitz, which, which are Silicon Valley venture, venture capitalists, basically, uh, with the goal of hiring more people and setting up more factories. Um, and you know, what, so one of the questions that somebody asked me a few weeks ago is why is there no Kinkos for three D printing? Um, and and I said that's actually kind of what Shapeways does. They just do it via mail order rather than have a bunch of stuff locally because the equipment's still pretty expensive. So um, you know what that that could be a business model for them. Yeah, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing Shapeways well, retail ups. locations pop up. Um, One day turnover, and as opposed to having it shipped. Yeah, or even if it's just like a, a decentralized thing where you where you can go pick it up and they courier it to the place or whatever to a retail location, or or have verified you know tech shop style you know lease out the three uh, the CNC yeah. machines the at excess at, use at uh, at uh, hackerspaces. Um, connect. There's there. This is in the long history of dumb ways to order pizza on the internet, uh, starting with I think EverQuest, where you could type slash pizza into EverQuest one in like two thousand four, and order have a pizza, have your favorite kind of Pizza Hut pizza. Or maybe it was Domino's delivered directly to your door. Pizza Hut has now launched along with Microsoft a Connect enabled pizza ordering app for the Xbox. Now is this an this is an app, so it's not an integrated service, which means. If you're doing something on your Xbox, yeah. you actually have to log out of whatever you're doing, launch the app, yep. and then use your controller to type in information. I would I would assume that you just connect the app to your pizza, pizzahut.com account online. This does not seem like... It seems lazy in a very inefficient way. Well, it's the kind of thing that Pizza Hut says, okay, it's going to cost us... Ten thousand dollars to develop this app and oh, hook no, it I'm into sure our online ordering Hut. system. I think if you're lazy then, enough that you won't pick up your phone and speed dial a Pizza Hut, well, I and, like, and put it to your ear and your and your shoulder while you're gaming's, then. So I like the online ordering experience for pizza. I am pro that because they because when you order the pizza online, you never have the fucked up toppings because they can't hear you in the loud pizza pizza place, right? You never have to repeat your address four times, and you just type the credit card information in there and sign the thing when the dude comes to the door. 
I, I like this is I a half baked idea. Like, well, it, they need to go one step further and have it built into dashboard or something. So you're saying you just need to make a, a, a specific pizza gesture while you're playing the game, and that oh. that pops up a thing that says, "Hey, do you want to order your favorite or, pizza?" You know, or, or Konami code is now pizza ordering code. D- up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Yeah, that, I can see that. Or it actually putting it into your dash so you don't have to quit out of whatever you're playing. Right, that would be ideal. Because who wants to go through that? I mean, have you launched an Xbox game lately? It, it is slow. There are many, many steps to, to do that. It takes a long time. Um, so, yeah, that's a thing you can do. I, like, in the world of smartphones and tablets, I don't... Like, it, w- when the EverQuest thing happened, it was really still a super dumb idea. But at least, like, you couldn't alt-tab out of EverQuest because that would do bad things to your game. Uh, so you couldn't go to the pizza. You know, it, like, being able to make that happen automatically was okay. Now Pizza Hut needs to do a tie-in with PlayStation 4 so that the share button Ooh. will let you send a slice of pizza to someone. I would love to do that. You know how many people would just do that for the novelty of sending yeah. a slice of pizza from a physical button? Yeah. And then that goes straight from your PlayStation account funds, and they would make millions in a day. Microsoft could level this up one more by just making a dedicated pizza button on the Durango controller. Instead of that big X in the middle, you just hit the pizza button, and it sends a pizza to, you it's know, triangle looks like a pizza opens slice. up a pizza menu. Um, I don't have a Pizza Hut that delivers to my house, so I can't test this. That makes me... Kind of sad, but also a little. I don't happy. even know if I have. I don't know where the nearest Pizza Hut is. Every once in a while, I see an ad when I'm watching baseball or something, and, and there's a Pizza Hut pizza on there that looks super gross, but also kind of awesome. And I'm like, you know, I could go for a Pizza Hut Supreme Supreme Deep Pan P- Pizza. Pizza is bad pizza. It's oh, I'm not saying it's, it's good pizza. It's like the dough is like deep fried, or I well, because it's in the pan, the oil gets in there and it kind of right. fries it, the it's, dough. It's pan baked it's, yes, pizza. It's in a dish, right? It's not like. It, it's not a. It's yeah. not like little star deep dish. It's like Pizza Hut deep dish. Yeah. It's a real specific thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's good. Different parts of the world, Pizza Hut's actual restaurant. Really? What? Hold on. What? Wait. What? Yeah. Like you can sit down, like Olive Garden actual you, restaurant, or like only, real actual restaurant. Yes, like Olive Garden style. You can only have pizza that way at a Pizza Hut. Well, that's the way it was when I was a kid. You went in. It was usually a darkly lit area. There was like fake brick molding, real dark brick molding on the wall. They gave you the red plastic cup, you know, the kind of translucent one. And then there was always like a Miss Pac-Man Galaga machine in the corner uh, and a salad bar. You always had to go to the salad bar. I remember you'd get salad and a, and a personal pan pizza for, you know, X number of dollars for the kid. Um, what's your favorite chain pizza? We're looking at like Domino's, Papa John's, Little Caesars, uh, Pizza Hut. Uh, I'd say Round Table probably counts. Oh, I've eaten at all any of those. Round Table is probably the last one I ate at. Pizza is, it's like Thai food. There's so many different pizza places wherever you live. Well, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. A lot of places only have Domino's and Papa John's. There's not Little a, Caesars. Little La Petite Caesars. You know, if you want so to see bad. something bad, go to Little Caesars in a bad neighborhood on like Sunday, Sunday afternoon. It's not good. Saturday night. Yeah. It, have you Costco. ever had? Costco is my favorite chain oh, that's pizza pretty, place. I, I, I can agree. That is, I can, that is my answer. I can agree with that. Okay. Um, then the last thing is there's been a lot of uh, Windows 8.1 start button Last week stuff. we talked about, we talked uh, about this, Mary, yeah. jo, Mary Jo Foley from uh, ZDNet, mm-hmm. uh, who's their expert and probably the, the best Microsoft, Microsoft. She and Ed Bot are basically embedded with Microsoft. Yes. Um, and, I, online, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, so a, lot, a lot of sources said that 8.1... Uh, Windows blue. 8 Blue 
uh, <laughs> will possibly bring back the start button and also um, the option to boot to desktop and not to start screen. Do you think they thought about it when they made the code name blue so, they, the, so that they realized that people are going to say Windows 8 blue all the time? I don't think they thought It's B-L-U-E, not B-L-E-W, but I think it works either way. It does work either way. Um, so, the, so Okay, so the start button's coming back, but so, the start menu is not, probably. Right, so right? The Verge, um, their own sources confirmed to them that this is indeed the case, but a lot of people did not read that as clearly as they should have, and we also misinterpreted it. Uh, the start menu is not a part of this deal. This is a bringing back the bottom left-hand corner start button, but that would still take you to... The start screen. So this is going to be um, this is going to be similar to the developer builds of Windows 8, when you hit the start button and it took you to the start screen, rather than hitting the start button and taking you to a start menu. If you the hit desktop. the start button, if you, yeah, if you hit the start button, the physical start button on the keyboard, that took you to the start screen anyway. So right. it, do, it does that. Um, Re- removing the indicator that takes you back to the home screen on. Keys on machines with keys, keyboards and mice and no touch screens or no start buttons aside from the one on the keyboard that normal people don't use is really one of the all-time great boneheaded Microsoft decisions. Like It, it is a phenomenally bad move. It, it's, this, this change is for people who, are, who remote into their Windows 8 desktops because they can only use the mouse and they can't, they can't touch well, the edge of the corner of the screen. It's also for people who don't have... Who, who, I mean, you have to look at normal normal users who probably never realized what that Windows button is for on the keyboard. I mean, I'm talking about the Windows key on the keyboard. Really? Uh, dude, I spent, I'm telling you, I told you this last week. I watched Gina spend 15 minutes trying to figure out how to get out of a Metro app because she didn't know to hit the Windows key because she never uses the Windows key. It's just the thing that annoys her and pops up the start menu when, when she's trying to type and do something. It's a really, really stupid UI decision. You use it because you're a nerd and you know. I use it because I'm a nerd and I know. But normal people have no fucking clue what the Windows key does. I gotta think about that. Okay. Just, just I, 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 incredulous that people from '95 to '7 did not have not associated that key to some action on the screen. All right. Yeah. Um, you want to anything else you want to add, or you want to roll into what we've been testing? Uh, let's roll. Hey, Norm. Hey, Will. I have a robot turret in front of me. I see that. I built that last week. It looks like Wally, except a cyborg. It has a laser on it. It's over. It's on the. I wonder. I don't think I can hit the camera with it. But. I can try. Uh, it's uh, it is from Troison Robotics. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can put a link in the show notes. Looks like you have two axes of movement. I do have. I have a pan and a tilt. You have a you have a turn and a tilt. Uh, turn and tilt. Pan. No panning. Panning would be translation. Panning. Really? This is this is panning. I like thought strafing was side panning. to side and tilt was up but and down. That's no. When you turn your head, are you you are you are turning? Can we get a ruling from Joey on this? When you're turning your head, is that panning or is that rotation? I think it's both. I think panning implies rotation. I don't think it matters for the sake. It was sold as a pan tilt motor mount. Okay, but but it is two axes along. So you have a one motor that rotates. Yes, and one and another motor one that, that tilts that up that and tilts down. Tilts up and down, but you do not have head tilt left and right. I do not have tilt tilt to the side. Yes, that is correct. Um, 
So I, I'm. I think I need to get stronger motors for it, or maybe yeah, build there, a gearing there's system. Definitely there's a, a little, little bit of a delay. Yeah, and it's a little bit of a wobble. Um, but the the plan is uh, progressing nicely, and it's controlled with a Wiimote controller right now. The, th- the thumbsticks. So you can use the thumbsticks. Oh, no, no, you can also oh, use the, the gestures. The gestures. Uh, that's that's interesting. The part. gestures kind of suck. It's much easier with the thumbstick. Uh, uh, and you it, can turn it the. Looks laser like it's on a, has personality. Yeah, it, it's 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 a fun little toy. You and know, it, if if someone punched that, you would feel real sad because I'm, not just because you built it, but because are you it is a robot. It? No, don't punch I'm it. saying that there was recently an MRI test oh. that showed that people have uh, humans have natural empathy for, for robots. Robots, well. and uh, they use the the uh, the dinosaur. Uh, what was it called? Uh, oh, the Pleo Pleo robot, and showed video of it. I mean, the Pleo was not. Modified to do anything it didn't do already, but yeah. if you watch Pleo get strangled, you will feel sad. Hmm. I can see that. Pleo is very lifelike and human. There's one in, in Adam's uh, office. I never actually... Do you guys... You guys got one at PC Gamer, but I don't know if you were around then, yeah, right? Yeah, it was it's not that great. It's not a, not a good toy. No. Um, next issue app, Norm? Uh, th- th- uh, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I like reading magazines. Okay. I, I like reading a lot of magazines, and but I only subscribe to a few. What are of them. your favorite magazines? Um, the ones I read, like every, every issue, every month. Yes. Uh, I read Wired and GQ. Okay. Are the ones I read every month. Uh, they're both Condé Nast magazines. Yes. Um, are, you, I, I, are you angling for a job or something? No, I, okay. I, like, I like I like their publications. It's a quality book, and, and I like that movie. This the uh, the September issue, and there was also HBO. The documentary uh, September issue is great, um, and. It's like the real world version of the Devil Wears Prada. Yes, uh, I read magazines. I also have when you have a subscription to something like Wired, you also get the digital edition. Yes, so you can you have the app and it will give, give you a pop up notification. You can download the entire issue and you can read it, and it's great. Uh, I also since reading magazines way back when I keep all my magazines. Really, um, you store them all? I store them all on the shelves in my house. How long have you been doing this? For years, I have all my. Years and years. Okay. Uh, I stopped doing with Entertainment Weeklies because they have no spine. Right. And, so, do, and they get pretty beat up so in they don't the course stack. of reading. Yeah. Um, so like things like Economist, Entertainment Weekly, Time Magazine, okay. those, those go away. Weeklies, basically. I never go back. The time I can count in, on probably two hands the times I've gone to my shelf and pulled a magazines, back issue? a back issue to flip through them. Yeah. Um, like I when we when we cleaned out the house, I went through all my old magazines because I had done that but for that's, a long that's, time. But that's that's a it's a, a very f- fulfilling and nostalgic exercise. And when you do do that, it feels great. And you could spend a whole day flipping through old magazines. But I never find that I do that out on a whim. Like the only times I've gone and gone through old magazines with any kind of regularity is like if I went to visit my grandparents and they have fifty years of National Geographic. Totally, we'll, we'll go back and dive into National and Geographic. You know, like yeah. you're looking for things to do, um, or like you know when Gary came over, oh, those PC gamers. I work, you know, I want to see pictures of myself yeah. when I was younger. Okay, and it showed, like, uh, but it made me think about do pe- do people keep their magazines? Why people keep their ma- old magazines? And can you live on a a magazine diet where you only have a limited time to have that magazine? So that's what I do now. Like I sit down, I read the magazine, and it goes in the recycling bin. So and and if having that limited time to read a magazine, for example, you can only read 
four issues, back issues at most, yeah. if that forces you to read the magazine more carefully or set, have a set schedule and not fall behind. So this is, a, this is kind of becoming a more almost metaphysical question. I, I realized a couple of years ago that I was trying to read every, like I was trying to be um, a completionist on the things that I was reading, whether it's magazines, websites, comics, whatever. And I realized that it was making me a little bit crazy because I was either, I'd either reached too far. So you gave up. I didn't give up. I changed my outlook. I changed my approach. <laughs> um, well, no, no, because the thing I realized is I was getting a big, long queue of things to read that I was never going to get through. And most of the shit that I had in that queue was probably stagnating because I didn't really care that much about it. I just I wanted to care about it more than I actually cared well, about you, it. You can cherry pick the things you care about. That's what I did. So okay. I, I've stopped reading every article on the five or six websites that I read religiously and just kind of skim through. And if I read it at the time, then that's great. But if I, you know, if I save it, I send it to Instapaper. And then if it doesn't get read in Instapaper in a few days, I just, yeah, it's fine. It'll work itself out. I find value in reading everything when it comes out and having the exact context of that in my head. Okay. What's the value? The context is the value. Okay. <laughs> um, the context so is definitely the value. So the idea of this next, next issue, issue yeah. is it's a service that's been out for a year. Um, but the idea, it's a bunch of publishers, Hearst, Condé Nast, and a bunch of things. Big um, New York publishers. They all come together and have shipped in on the service where you can pay, I think it's it's like a Spotify-style rate, 10, 15 bucks a month. And you get access to uh, like 50 different types of magazines, very oh. popular ones. So Sports Illustrated, you get all the... I have is it everything here. from the list of pub- from the publishers that are a part of the team? I assume. Yeah. Uh, yes, and then some are premium ones. So I think uh, if you want, there's a two tiers of service. You pay the higher one, which I think is five dollars more. You get access to the prestige magazines like New Yorker. Okay. Um, that you, a New York magazine or something that you wouldn't otherwise. The stuff that's like long form articles. Yeah. That's the that expensive newsstand by. Exp- the expensive magazines, yeah. exactly. Um, but it's like. Popular Mechanics, Car and Driver, Vanity Fair, Bon Appetit, GQ, Wired, so it's Hearst Hello, and Fast Condé Company, stuff. Time, Entertainment Weekly, all those things. Okay. Things that most of the stuff you'd see at newsstand. Um, uh, how, I, I'm so enjoying it. How long have you used it? Uh, for three weeks. Three weeks. And are you feeling like, are you reading more magazines as a result? Like, are you going outside of your comfort zone now? It feels like I'm at a, at a yes, it feels like I'm at a uh, doctor's office or like going to the the newsstand and sitting down in the coffee area with magazines that you've borrowed but not and bought. and looking at covers and cover lines to pick out oh that could be an interesting story okay is is wonderful i can see uh, that it could load faster um and is the quality on the what are you using this in your ipad or on it's, the it's on surface? it's on ios it's on windows okay. um i think it's on android as well uh on ios it's not it's it varies from magazine to magazine, but right. uh, for example, comparing Wired to Wired, it is lower resolution on the Next Issue app than it is in the iOS app. In the Wired app. Native app. Okay. And you can't pinch Zoom. So there are limitations. So is it more like a PDF version? Because like no, the no, Wired app no, is, it, no, is it's, like it's more an, interactive. It is like an interactive design version. Okay. Some Entertainment Weekly is designed for like landscape view. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, is an interesting thing that I did not consider using, but... It, because it's something you would pay for? It possibly could. It feels like it would suit my it, my, my reading style. And uh, I don't think I would abandon subscriptions, physical subscriptions, because I, I like tangibility. Um, but 
if I have the choice of, you know, are, if I'm paying 10 bucks for music that I'm using Spotify married me less frequently now than I did a year ago. Yeah. And uh, like you're, pro- you're probably more intellectually like stimulated with this type of subscription if you make the most of it. Um, interesting. Well, and, and the variety is, is also nice too. Um, I've been, uh, I've been looking at energy use in the home again. So we did this a while ago where we got the, the energy meters and walked around to see what was using the most electricity. Um, but we recently got, uh, a smart meter from PG and E, which is the one that basically gives them a minute by minute or hour by hour meter of usage in your home. And we've had that for about a year now. So I was, I was, I logged into the PG and E account, went back in time to see like how our usage patterns went and compared it to my calendar to see when we were in town, when we were out of town, what was using a lot of electricity and, um, found some interesting things. So the TV is a huge use of power in our house, the TV and the TiVo and all that stuff. When the TV is on all day, for example, when I went and looked at a rainy... When the TV is on all day. Well, no, no. Like I went and looked at some of the rainy days this, this winter before the baby was born, but when basically the we were trapped in the house and it was cold out and it was rainy and you didn't want to leave the house, you just sat around and watched movies all day. Those days were by far the biggest users of electricity. By a magnitude of what? Um, uh, like pro- Not a magnitude, probably 20% higher. Okay. Um, so... Uh, I looked at, I, I, and I've started doing experiments to see what happens when I do things like switch the computers from sleep mode to hibernate mode, which is kind of a pain in the ass on on OS X, it turns out. Like, there's no manual switch to allow it to go to hibernate versus sleep well, you, in you the have OS. one main computer, one desktop computer. I have a big-ass desktop computer. We have the old iMac that Gina uses. Right, but those are the big... Those I presume would consume more power than the TV, and those are kept on all day. But no, no, they aren't. They sleep. So okay. they both are. They both have been set to sleep for a long time. Um, the iMac is uh, it predates Sandy Bridge, so it's probably three years old now, four years old. Um, it it uh, when it sleeps, it draws a very small amount of power because it's essentially a laptop with a big display. The gaming PC draws more power because it has a big monitor hooked up to it. And when you're playing games, and when I'm playing games, it's like a fa- 900 watts or something ridiculous. Well, probably not consuming all that at once, but no, no, no. But over over an hour or something. Um, it's been really interesting. Like the things that I thought would be so so turning everything off and getting it all down. Like the the interesting experiment on this is to turn everything in the house off except for like the refrigerator and the clocks and 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 the lights that you lights, use. They that power stacks up. Well, we but we've switched all the lights to CFLs or LEDs, um, which helped a ton. On, on like that dropped us from way over the average to just most of the time over the average. Um, the TiVo is a fair, is a fair source of energy consumption. Leaving the TV on is, is a complete disaster because it's a 50, it's a big t- 58 inch plasma. That's pretty um, big. It's pretty big. Um, which draws a fair amount of power compared to say a 40 inch LED or even like my 30 inch monitor on my desktop. Um, and so now the, the, the game is to see what we can turn off when to kind of min max power usage. Uh, and and I found it really interesting. I was surprised that there weren't better apps with the smart meters to kind of like let you know yeah. where you're at or when you're at a specific time. Although I, there there are APIs for that stuff. It you can like, I mean so. you can look at the smart meter and it'll tell you exact wattage draw at, at any moment. moment. Yeah, but that's pretty much it. Uh, they also put the smart meter on for gas for us in January, so so we can see our gas usage. And that's interesting too for cooking because I, I I don't know the it's the, heat is the big use of heat and water heater. It. Yeah, seems like um, in my house. 
because you have we have a well you're you have a new house so it's insulated properly and has good windows right we don't turn on any heat because we just use computers for heat yeah but we have one two three four potentially five desktops going on at once jesus and our heat or electricity slash gas bill spiked to four hundred dollars in january in january and after instituting a policy of everyone must turn off their computers <laughs> during the day, yeah, it two hundred dollars off. Yeah, so yeah. turn off your computers. Yeah, I mean, it turns out not that big of a deal. Yeah. So, um, did you do you turn it off or do you put it to sleep? Turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it completely. Um. So yeah, it's I'll I'll, rep- I'll I'm I'll write a story about that when I when I have some more details. Uh, the other thing that I found is that if you're in California, then PG&E is doing massive rebates right now for replacing single-pane windows, which we have because it's an old house, uh, improving insulation, which we also have because it's an old house. Take advantage um, of rebates. And, Utility and rebates. replacing like the old wall heaters with a real like gas-fired yeah. furnace. Look so. for rebates. Good excuse to buy new toilets. Oh, yeah. New toilets are a big one. Shower heads, too. We've talked about shower heads a lot lately. Um, do you want to talk about Surface Pro a little bit and then do some questions? We have a bunch of questions. Uh, let's jump to questions. I don't have too much to say addition. We'll talk about Surface Pro next week. Yeah. or We'll do, uh, we'll do a we're, video We're soon, shooting right? our video review next week. Okay. Emails? Well, but we do the other one. Emails. It's, you know, we don't do emails. We do emails. No, 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 no. Questions. Boom. If you have a question for This Is Only a Test, the email address is podcast at tested.com. We prefer audio questions as long as they don't sound like you're being chased by a herd of wild buffalo. Uh, and we have a bunch of questions today because I asked for them on Twitter and you guys really delivered. So let's get through as many of these as we can. We'll we'll answer more. If we didn't answer your question this week, then uh, either we didn't like it or we'll answer it in the future. Uh, I'll do the first one, Norm. Chris asks, what's your most beloved device or technology from any point in your life, past or present? For example, I have the fondest memories of a Gold Star 386SX desktop computer I got when I was 13 because it made me fall in love with computers. It was the first computer I took apart. It was the computer I played my first real PC game on, Winning Commander 2. And it was the first computer that made me realize computers were special. In this context, what device or technology do you have the strongest positive feelings about? I'm also going with computer, and it'll be the first one that I built, which was uh, Panem 2 300. So I, this is tough for me because the first real computer I had was a Pentium six. I mean, I had a Pen, I had a three eighty six SX, but it was a like writing papers in college machine, and I think I played a little bit of X Wing and stuff on it. Um, the first real computer I had was a Pentium ninety, and um, or Pentium sixty rather, uh, and and it like opened. It had PCI slots, so I could put real video cards in it. It like it's where I learned how to fix computers. AGP slot. No, it was it predates. Ooh, so you didn't, you didn't have real video cards. I did not. I, well, no, I had real video cards for the time because at the time, the only video cards there were were PCI cards. AGP came around in the Pentium two, two days. Um, the first machine I built was a K6 2300, which had an AGP slot. That was a big deal. Um, Advanced graphics port. Yeah, I, I that Pentium 60 was a pretty awesome machine. Um, uh, the second thing is I also spent a lot of my own money to buy a PDA, Casio, Casio, Cassiopeia the, the E150, Wentz machine? Uh, Windows, um, they Power were not PC, Windows CE. Wasn't it? No, no, they were uh, the mobile PC. Windows Mobile. Win- no, nope, nope, nope. Before that, Pocket Windows, PC. Pocket Sorry. PC. Pocket That's PC. Uh, I carried a Palm Three when I was, uh, or Palm Five rather, when I was working at my first job out of college. And having having that in high school was the shit. Wow, you went to a completely different kind of high school than I did. Um. 
I had a lot of love for the old Windows mobile uh, smartphones, like the big AT&T singular. It was an HTC phone we know now, but it was a, the 8125. It was an awesome That phone. one came out six months before the iPhone one? No, no, no. It was a year and a half. I had it for a long time before the Oh, you know, the one, the one before that one. Yeah, the 5.5 one, not the 6.5 one. Um, Michael asks, pretty silly but inevitable, if not Pizza Hut, what type of food ordering service would you want on your Xbox or other gaming devices? Hold on, I'm going to answer this for you. You want the tandoori chicken pizza from the place by your house? I would, no? no, 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 because no? think about this. If you are playing a game and you are lazy enough to want to order food while playing the game, yeah. you want the type of food that would not get in the way of playing the game, i.e., get your controllers dirty. So you want like a bagel bites button? Is that what you're suggesting? That's that that's pretty good. I don't know any place that delivers bagel bites. Um, what if it's just a, like a robot that makes bagel, bagel bites for you? I would I would go with smoothie. So you can just lean over with the straw. Smoothie. Yep. Do you need a long straw for that? Or you want a normal sized straw? Or, or or you know tapioca. A strawberry like a banana. Boba? Strawberry banana smoothie tapioca. With the big balls. With the with the the taro balls. Hmm. With the, whatever the root balls are, the tapioca balls. Hmm. Brent, oh, I'll let you ask yeah, yeah, no, go for it. Brent asks, "How did you hook?" Oh, well, this is a. Do we want to answer this uh, one? We should have screened these better. Well, I I put it there and said, "Hey, you should look at these and see if there's anything you don't want to answer." I'm so gonna quickly go. read. Okay, Jacob asks, "I'm about to move desks where I work, and I've requested a standing desk. I know you mentioned having a bar to." St- having a bar to step on, but is there anything else that is useful to have for a better transition? I don't think, I don't think he interpreted no, no, properly. The bar is something you're supposed to have. You're supposed to have something to put your foot on so you can put your foot up and down. We don't have that. We have, no. we have done this wrong in a couple of different ways. We did ways. not use bars or stools or anything. Right. You're um, supposed to have stools so you can do partial sitting, partial standing. Uh, you're supposed to have something to put your foot up on. We went straight to uh, a bar mat. Yeah. Which is fine, and we uh, recommend shoeless. You recommend shoeless. Well, Joey and I both rec- take off our shoes, Mr. Roger style, and use our socks uh, on the on the bar mat. I'm not wearing socks today. Some um, shoes are preferred. I've essentially bailed on the standing desk since the pandemic. Yes, you, ha- you have been sitting there. I've been sitting at this at this table for the past two months. Um, the the lack of a chair, like the not having a chair. What what I realized was happening was because I didn't have any place to rest my arm when I was using the mouse, I was getting really bad like Wrist. shoulder pain. And also, no, no, like neck and shoulder pain only on the right side. And when I was out with the baby, it went away, and that's what made me realize something's fucked up about my standing desk. So, Well, you also um, have the keyboard tray. Well, that's because it's the, the wrong the desk. The they made the desk too high because Andy asked when we were getting ready to get on an airplane, and I didn't have time to measure, so we just eyeballed it. Um, so don't eyeball it. Don't yeah. Make sure you like get the math right and or get an adjustable desk is the other way to do it. Ours aren't adjustable. I'd say uh, also give yourself a lot of room for your mouse. Yeah, yeah. I like. I almost think I might. I talked to Brian Lamb about this a few weeks ago, who's a noted standing desk aficionado, and he said that the thing he did when he started getting shoulder pain was just lean on the desk. So he is like leaning up on the desk, which I I don't know. You could also do stretches and calisthenics, and um, it's the. Or I guess I could get a pole to rest my arm on when I'm. St- it seems a little unwieldy. Anyway, um, talk to the. If you have a big, if you work at a big company that is offering standing desks as an option, talk no, to. You the, can also get a big person to cradle you while you. Oh, that'd be nice. Desk. Are you volunteering? No, can't lift that much. Um, get a talk to talk to the person who does the ergo desk fitting before you before you commit to anything. Um, 
Caleb asks, I have two questions. Well, I'm only answering the second question. Will and Norm both have very interesting hobbies. Will with Arduino and Norm with vinyl toys. I'm wondering how you guys got into your hobbies and found information for beginners. Um, I just went and got on the internet and started looking at homepage for Arduino stuff. Um, I bought a couple of books which were less useful than I kind of initially thought they would be. Um, just because my level of expertise was already a little bit beyond what the kind of getting started books were for the Arduino stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I spent 50 bucks on a thing and then started messing around with it until I could make lights light up. And then once, once, once you kind of got understood that stuff, then it progressed pretty nicely. And there's good resources for the Arduino stuff online. There is a website for everything and there is likely a forum for everything. And if you're going to get interested in something new, um, get up and get obsessed about it. You can spend days doing that, become an expert. And I think that's how Adam does it. Yeah, he spends a lot of time on message boards. Message boards are really useful uh, for the most part. Become an expert. Know the context. Context is everything. Norm, you want to do the next one or you want me to do it? I will do this one. Rafael asks, have you guys ever checked out any of the demos that are made on the so-called quote-unquote demo scene quotes i added some of these things are amazing especially the four and 64 kilobyte demos so this is this is the demo scene that jeremy introduced me to jeremy uh, actually made a documentary shot a documentary about the demo scene really um when he did his production company before he came back to work at future um but yes uh this is mostly based in europe uh there is a scene uh, when I say scene, there's a community of people who love coding and they code graphic demos, mm-hmm. um, which can be effects, audio, er, er, you know, text. Procedurally, like a lot of times, it's the the. It seems like the game is a lot of time to pack as much information as possible into a small download, and they code it in low level code. Yeah. Um, and then they procedurally generate the the textures and the art assets and the models and all of that stuff. But the idea is that these demos are very small, which is the beauty in them, and it's it's a it's all about beauty and coding. Um, so there are competitions for these demos, uh, d- demo competitions where um, there are different categories based on the size of the files, and so you can have a 4K demo competition, for example. Um, that means the file that everyone submits is smaller than four kilobytes, which is tiny. That's like, you think about that's like a notepad document. It's nothing, yeah. Um, there, if you think about a Word document, that it's bloated because so much of that is in the headers. It's four kilobytes and is is a four thousand forty-eight bytes words, letters, characters. Char- uh, I mean, ask. the equivalent of, right? Each byte is, each byte is one. An eight-bit byte is one ASCII character. So four thousand characters, possibly. 4, but they, they code it in even lower-level code. 4, compi- but it's compiled. Five thousand twenty-four. Yeah, but it is compiled. Yeah, it's not. It's not text. It no, is. It's, it's, it, it's a program that is that size. It's right. very very small. And they they um, the demo scenes actually were interesting because it's more. It's very uh, processor intensive, but you can get some very very cool animations, um, and or or even complete games in yeah. these demos. Uh, and yeah. I always thought that stuff was really cool, but I, I it's never I, I don't have the skills to participate other than to as a you spectator. Can, I mean, you can download them. No, no that's what I'm saying yeah. as as a spectator. Yeah. There are many many resources where you can just find some really famous ones. Um, there are also if you're if you're sca- nervous about downloading executables and running them on your computer, you can uh, watch the videos of the demo scene loops on YouTube. That is not as cool as actually. Running it is that. not not as cool. Not but nearly it's as cool. A little less risky. 
Um, John asks, what do you use as an alarm clock? Your iPhone, some sort of al- iPhone dock slash alarm radio hybrid? Any recommendations? I have a baby to serve as an alarm clock now. That that solves that problem. Although sometimes she wakes up too early and then I do the stuff and then I go back to sleep and then not having an alarm clock turns out to screw you. Uh, Norm? Uh, I find that uh, an alarm is something that you are constantly in battle with. Um, not only the alarm, but your, your brain, your subconscious. Uh, you can try to game the alarm system, but you just end up screwing yourself uh, i use several tiers of alarms like so, so you I said have, one for seven seven thirty and eight well no i have multiple devices also okay um i keep my iphone on my desk and i use the android phone nexus 4 on the the charger as the alarm um so you can get google now first thing in the morning no because that has ambient display oh, okay um for the time uh, yeah so i That's use my phone phones basically phones yeah i i I used to have an alarm clock on my desk, on my nightstand, and when I do need an alarm clock, I use an iPhone. Because why? I mean, I'm but I think most phone. people are conditioned if they why would you wake not? up at a regular time that their body just wakes them up at the regular time, like down that to the second, like the minute. That is much more true now than it was ten years ago for me. Um, and I don't know that it's because I had different schedules on weekends and weekdays. Oh yeah, but d- weekends your body doesn't know. Like, just don't sleep in. That's how you stay on a regular yeah. schedule. No, I, I mean I wake up at seven. Seven six thirty sometime in there any, every day pretty much. Um, I think this is you. I'm I'm quickly screening. Um, I, I I'll yeah. go ahead and read this one. Read, read ahead. I'll do this next okay. one. And pick a couple that you want to do. Uh, I've realized that I spend. Uh, Tom asks. I've realized that I spend about ninety percent of my life staring at a computer screen for work and play, and I'm getting tired of it. I can't wait until my last few assignments are done, and I can take a break from having to use a computer every single day. Since it's your job to spend time with technology, do you ever get tired of it and feel like unplugging for a while to go and do something without a screen for a bit? Yes, I absolutely do feel that way. Um, you get kind of overdosed, and and I find that you know when I get that way, I just stop playing games, which solves the problem. You know, for for how until I get until I want to play a game again. Go outside. Much. Yeah, T- take a walk. Uh, walk the dog. If you don't have a dog, just walk yourself. Go for a run. Uh, go to the beach. Go to the forest. Go to the mountains. The resolution the on real life is incredible. It's pretty good. It's no Oculus Rift, no motion tracking, I guess. But uh, you want to take another one? Sure. Matt asks, I am just starting out in freelance composing for video games. It's a pretty cool job. Yeah. And finding it very exciting. But I'm notorious for not finishing projects that I start. So I wonder, how do you guys stay focused day to day and follow through on personal projects? What techniques do you use? Any apps that help you? Question mark. Um, I have a list of all the things that are in process at any given time. And I usually have a bunch of stuff floating around in various stages of completion. Um, for physical projects, it's much easier for me because I have a really limited amount of space to work on that stuff. And I can't start something else until the other one is done and out of the way. Uh, but for like articles and stuff like that, I always have like five or ten in various stages of completion in the hopper. I read somewhere that procrastination is just another way of or people who are smart at procrastination can use that to their advantage and use the one task that they do not want to finish 
as motivation to finish other tasks. That is absolutely true. And if you're smart about picking your low-hanging fruit and use the one big task that you don't want to finish as, as a means to complete a bunch of other things before you get to it, then you eventually are net positive in productivity. The, the one really good piece of like time management advice that somebody gave me years and years ago is that you uh, evaluate um, you evaluate evaluate things by the value that they have to you and the time it will take to accomplish them. So, in much the same way that the food quadrant thing that I did for the for the weight loss helped me about decide where where I was going to eat stuff that was unhealthy because I enjoyed it, and where I was going to avoid stuff that was unhealthy because I didn't enjoy it and it just made me fat. Um, if you look at things that are high value and take a little amount of time and do those first. And then take the things that are high value and take a long amount of time, or the things that are low value and take a short period of time. And and if you schedule stuff by like the amount of time it's going to take you and the relative level of value you get from it, then that is incredibly useful. You could also zip tie your hands to your keyboard. Did you ever do that? Once. Did it work? Yes. Did you play a lot of Battlefield? No. Oh, because you couldn't use the mouse. That's correct. How did you zip time to the keyboard? The cord of the keyboard. Oh, you just like the cord, you loop the cord through your hands? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Was that in college? That was in college. Um, Jeff asks, I'm out of college and got my first full-time job and got that itch to ditch my old passed-down geoprism and get something new. Any tip, general tips on car financing, when to buy, etc.? What were y'all's first newish car purchases? Um, I'm a bad person to ask about this because I generally haven't bought new cars. I, well, I've never bought a there new goes car. Your, that's your tip. Um, yeah, I always just save money until I can afford the, I buy a car that's a year or two old with 20 or 30,000 miles on it and drive that until 30,000 miles in one year is a lot at most. Wow. Usually they're rentals, but they're they're because they have a high amount of mileage for one or two years, then they're generally a really good deal. You get 10 or 15 grand off and then you can still buy the extended, the extended warranty from your local dealership. That's pretty good. Um, and have no maintenance basically for five years. So that's my tip. And, and my tip is not to finance cars. Pay cash. Save save the $300 a month until you have cash to buy and just do that for the rest of your life because then you'll, you'll save a shitload of money on yes, car financing. Yes, do not finance and lease or lease. Yeah. Well, leasing, uh, some people leasing makes a lot of sense for, but generally if you are the kind of person that leasing makes sense for, then you probably know it and you don't need us to tell you. Um, if you have a terrible commute, then it sometimes makes sense to lease rather than buy. Uh, Brett asks, I've been interested in getting a Corgi. And I was wondering if there is anything specific about that breed that I should know. Also, have you done any testing of dog toys, crates, food, and do you have anything you would recommend? I've heard corgis can be a stubborn breed that require a lot of attention. Hey, I know about this. Um, uh, Corgis aren't stubborn. They're smart. So the problem I've had over the years as a kid, and, and now we've had smart dogs, and we've had dumb dogs, and we've had neurotic dogs. Uh, corgis tend to be a little bit neurotic and are typically very smart as most kind of herding and working dogs are. The problem with that is that sometimes you will teach them stuff by accident. So you will, you will think you're telling the dog not to bark, but instead you're giving her attention when somebody comes to the door and she starts barking and that to her, she thinks, Oh, I, he likes it when I bark, when somebody comes to the door, I should do that more often. And it's really hard to un both identify when you're teaching the dog something by accident and to fix it once you've done that. Um, so the thing I would say is get a, before you get a dog, uh, take, take, uh, buy a book about training smart dogs and basically like 
absolutely adhere to it and be super duper consistent. And if you can't do that, then get a dumber dog. Because and the size of the dog is correlated to the size of the poop. Uh, that is also super important. If you don't want to pick up big poops, don't get a big dog. That's Corgis have nice size poop. Very important. Um, other than toys and food, the food stuff is a is a boondoggle. Um, crates are kind of all the same in my experience, and the toys vary wildly based on from dog to dog. I saw a dog toy where uh, well, my corn brought his dog in, uh-huh. and there was a toy he had where it was like a cone that spun. And you put food in there, treats in there, yes. and, and the dog spins it and plays with it, and then the treats spill out. That's an amazing toy. So for some dogs, that stuff's awesome. They're totally into it and can like, and they can manage their level of excitement. Um, my sister's dog gets so crazy when you give her one of the when you give him one of those toys that he basically can't do anything but work on the toy until all the treats are out, and then he becomes an absolute maniac about it. So like like I said. Some dogs can handle plush toys that are like stuffed animals without destroying them. Some can't. So you have to kind of pick, find out what your dog likes and buy the stuff that your dog likes. All right. Uh, Jeff asks, in the past, you've shared tips about only checking emails certain times a day and put thought behind other ways to reduce your media intake. Could you share your morning and evening routines? Um, so this is, this is uh, when scheduling times to check email is a huge time saver. Um, it, sometimes it's, it bites you if you have people that need immediate responses and stuff like that. Uh, for me, I get up in the morning, I look at email, I look at Twitter, uh, both replies and the list with the people on it that I like to follow and the main feed just to see if anything interesting is happening in the world. Uh, and then I go and hit a half dozen sites that are my daily kind of daily reads just to see if there's anything cooking that I need to look at. That's pretty much it. Sometimes I look at Flipboard. Uh, I used to use Reader a little bit more. Um, that's it. What about, what about you, Norm? Email nonstop. From the moment my eyes open, my email queue usually I wake up with 30 emails. That needs to go down to zero. And then I go to my computer. Then I go take brush my teeth. And I don't get to brush my teeth until the morning ritual is done. And then uh, I keep one window on all my computers on Mac OS. It is a space dedicated to a window with about 12 tabs of the websites I visit every day. And those are refreshed nonstop. Constantly. Yep. You, you always have a lot of tabs open. Um, let's see. Matt, this is – we might do one or two after this, but this is the last of the, of the grade A questions. Uh, Matt asks, three years ago, I purchased the exact parts list and followed along with Will to build the machine from our very first gaming PC how-to video. I think that was Gary's, right? The very first one was – Or was that the one that we did ours. in the old, old that office? That was for the media player one. Oh, wow. That was a long time ago. The server one. Um. I brushed aside Gary and Jeff's builds in the following years, confident in my rig's performance. Uh, then I saw Lloyd's build from last month, and I was suddenly ripe with jealousy. I haven't exactly been getting the best performance on new games, and maybe it's time, unless you can suggest an upgrade path. I think my socket is old news. Can you save her, or, or should I take old Yeller out back? Um, I, you know, that, that machine should be okay from a CPU standpoint if you put a new video card in it, would be my guess. You might want to look at the amount of memory that's in it. I, I think it was four gigs back then. Memory is so cheap now. Um, yeah, I put 12 gigs of memory in my machine the other day for like $85. Um, so definitely upgrade. I'm in the same boat. I have a two-year-old video card, and games like Bioshock Infinite are starting to chug a little bit. Um, I, would, I would strongly look at a mid-range video card for that machine, and I would think you'd be able. I mean, worst case, you'll have a mid-range video card to put in the next machine, and an SSD will help. Um, yeah, and and I know that a lot of times people have questions about things like um, 
like uh, uh, like whether your old PCI Express 1.0 or 2.0 socket will bottleneck a newer version of PCI Express's video card. It shouldn't be an issue. I mean, it may if you're talking about super high-end stuff, but with the kind of mainstream stuff, ma- mainstream hardware that you put into a $1,500 machine, you should be fine. And also SSDs check whether you're using the SATA 6. Yeah, SATA 6 is the one. It will make a difference if you have SATA 6 ports. You should plug them in. Um, do you want to do any of these others, or are you feeling good, Norm? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. Okay, there's a couple. We had a couple questions that I'm gonna save for the next time we do a dad cast, um, and the actually let's do the Ruben question real quick. Uh, Ruben says I have a music collection. Oh, I was of, hoping it was actually about a Ruben. I wish I had a Ruben of 250 gigabytes and growing. I managed to squeeze down to the 160 gigabyte limit of my ancient iPod, but that that iPod starting to show signs of age, and I fear I will need to replace it soon. What sort of MP3 player options exist for people with large music collections? It's disappointing that 1632, 64 gigabytes seems to be the only option. And streaming is not possible for me as I have very restrictive internet and a lossy signal at my work. Um, I have, uh, I don't, I don't know that there's a good answer to this. I mean, there are hard drive based players that are made out of uh, like pack rim companies and companies like creative labs that are probably okay uh, they won't use iTunes. You can just dump a bunch of files onto them, and they'll pull the ID3 tags out. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. Like the market has moved away from people like you. Um, yeah, and I uh, seriously, people should not think. I mean, it's just like backups. Shouldn't put all their music on one device and be okay with it because you will always be getting more music. It's a pain in the ass, and it's the same with everything. Some if people don't get more music though. Some people uh, like the stuff that they like and are listening to. They have all of the '70s rock and roll that they can fit on their iPod. I think then 250 gigs of that is probably too much. <laughs> um, you can use if you're using like an iPod or iPhone or iPod iPod Touch or iPhone or iPad for music. You can do things like um, use iTunes Match to store all of that music online and then only pull the stuff down that you actually want to have access to at any given time, which is kind of uh, Spotify offers a similar functionality. So you can store, uh, you can store some music locally if you want. Uh, RDO will do the same thing if you're willing to pay for the subscription service. I don't, uh, Amazon cloud player will let you pay, I think $25 a year for a whole shitload of storage. Um, that I don't know if they let you cash that locally. I think that the, the cloud player app does, but I can't remember. Um, and, and then Google has a similar service, but I don't believe that theirs allows local caching on devices. So I, I would say you should pare down to the stuff you actually listen to, and I mean that, or or get the player, investigate the hard drive based players from not Apple. Two final points: things that bug me about this that's tangentially, tangentially related. When people buy iPhones and iPads. They think that 16 gigs may be enough, and it was enough to start, and 32 gigs was enough to start. But people, when they move from device to device, they don't take things off. They just move everything on from one iPhone to another, from one iPad to another iPad. So you have 1,500 apps installed? And eventually, it's photos and video. Yeah. And 64 gigs is just not enough anymore. You have to be smarter about not using that iPad as the single repository for that data and putting it somewhere else where their storage is cheaper. Other thing is that services like Netflix and Spotify, they don't do a good job of keeping track of what content is and isn't available day to day, week to week, and stuff disappears and stuff pops back on. Or, or like maybe replaced by like the deluxe version of the same album. And that inconsistency is a big problem for these services. It, it really drives me crazy. Um, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, we're going to be off-site Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, so things might be a little bit slow. Uh, but we'll be around and checking in at the end of the day at least. 
and I guess we'll see you guys. Uh, oh, Still Entitled is back this week. So if you missed the Adam show, uh, we uh, started that again on Tuesday and should be back on a regular schedule again. We launched Questions and Answers with Jamie. So if you have questions for Jamie Heineman about all, anything, really, go for it. The email address is podcast at tested and put uh, questions for Jamie in the subject line. Uh, I think that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Oh, uh, today's outro is from... Well, I'm going to do ventilator again. Hi there, I didn't see you. That's it. Here's a secret. I don't like StarCraft. It keeps coming up, so it must be true, Norm. <laughs>